If you will, open up your Bible to Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter. We are going to, uh, I'm going to have to turn there too, but Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter. And we're going to talk about, I named this more than money. So if you're looking for a title, uh, that phrase is actually in this, or the idea of it, that life is more than money. And so Luke 12 Verse 23. Now I will say this as we get ready to read this. This scripture here and in Matthew 6 or this set of scriptures is often taught. Sometimes when we hear things we can pick up some stuff. Some ideas that are not always good. Anybody ever picked up an idea? You know, and thought, why do I do this? You know, that old story about the lady who always cut part of the turkey off, you know, and taught the kid to do it. And then finally the daughter said, why do you do this? I said, I don't know, that's how I learned how to do it. And uh, then she finally asked her mother, well, why do we always cut part of the turkey off? And she said, oh, because I had a pan that it didn't ever fit in. But everybody else's pan, it fit in. And so the whole time they keep cutting this extra chunk off, thinking this is the right way to do it, and they're cutting something. And then they finally get to the point and look and realize our pan is big enough, we don't have to do that. Sometimes we get ideas, we pick things up, we don't know why we're thinking it. And, uh, you know, there is some information in here that I think if you're not careful... Uh, you might pick something up. Anybody ever picked up a bad habit before or a habit? We're Christians. We don't have bad habits, right? No, no. people pick up things. And, uh, and truth helps you to walk in liberty and walk in freedom. Or you could say it like this, to the degree we know truth and apply it, we walk in that freedom and in that correct way. But we can always grow. Luke 12, verse 23 it says this, life is more than. And I put money because he talked about food and the body is more than clothing. But he's about to talk about finances and money and he said life is more than that. That is a huge statement. Life is more than money. Most people in the world think life is money. And it's about money or the pursuit of food, clothes, a house, you know. Will, people will even judge other people by the car, the house, the neighborhood, all these different things because people think life is not more than that. Are you with me? People think uh, life is about that kind of stuff. Now, we would be foolish to say life has nothing to do with that stuff. Are you with me? We would also be foolish to say money is evil. Money's neutral. You know, there's weird people who do strange things like, you know, you hear about somebody, you know, occasionally take their kids, lock the you know car up and drive into a lake and drown the whole family. Well, that doesn't mean cars are evil. doesn't mean lakes are evil. It was just used wrong. 
Somebody had wrong ideas and yielded to something that was evil. And so when we look at these scriptures, what's very interesting to me is Jesus said this, life is more than this. But then, for the next four verses, he talks about all this stuff that life is more than. He gives four verses to explain money, the things that the world pursues. I mean, he goes into great detail about this stuff and not worrying about it and how the world pursues these things. And he said, but life is more than this. One thing I'm going to say now and probably again later, as you read this, you know, you got to be careful you don't put certain thoughts or have certain thoughts in your life because some people think, well, if you serve God, you can't have money. In, in the context, though, what he's saying is put things in the right order and it's not one or the other, it's both. And we'll, we'll see that that's what the Lord was teaching. And he did say this, the world can get all the money. But they'll miss out on the other stuff. The eternal purposes and, and God's way and fulfillment in life. You can have money. But he said there is a way to get both or to have both. Or things in life. Now notice this in verse 23. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. You could say it's it's more than money. But how many of you know when you need money, it's a big thing? When you're looking to pay your bill and think, how can I pay my bills? It becomes a big thing. And the natural tendency is to look at how everybody else is getting their bills paid and we think, well, then we've got to do it the way they do it. And if we do it their way, and when you go to school, they're going to teach you not God's way. Now, God's way is to work hard, you know, and do all those different things, but there's an added commodity that cannot be overlooked. Because you can get the world's results. Jesus said you could gain the whole world. You, you could get all the money you want and still lose your own soul. But he said there is a way. And this is what he's trying to get across here. The very first thing he says here is consider. Consider. So he said life is more than money. Now this is what you need to consider. Now the world and, and, and other people worry about money. There's, the world is racked with worry and fear. Period. And they're thinking about, oh, you know, people with millions need billions, and people with billions need trillions, and people are racked with worry. Jesus right here is saying life is more than money, but he's not saying money is not important, and he's not saying he doesn't have interest in you having money. But he said there is a commodity for every believer, anybody who's going to follow the Lord, that has to take precedence in life. And it's kingdom affairs and kingdom business. Notice this, consider. That means observe. 
Look at this. And so Jesus was a master at giving a picture about something that could relate an idea or a principle. And so he said, consider the ravens. We would say here, look at the crows. For they neither sow nor they reap. Which have neither storehouse nor a barn. They don't have a bank account. But God feeds them. I mean, think about it. How many people think in and out is awesome? I shouldn't ask that because some people don't think. Think of it. When I lived in Southern California, you were raised on in and out, you know, not McDonald's like here. But uh, there we called them in and out birds, those little birds that come to eat your french fries. They don't prepare them. They don't do anything. They know if we show up, God feeds us french fries here. And they don't worry, they just show up and they get free fries. And he said this, Are you not of more value than birds? I mean, I have not seen birds starving to death. Have you? You're like, oh great, another one fell out of the tree. Another one. Oh, that poor child. You know, you know like they do commercial bird commercials. You know, with these emaciated birds. Help the bird. The birds are doing okay. And the Bible said God has set up a design that the birds are fed. And why did he tell us to look at that? Because he's talking about people worrying about food and worrying about clothing and worrying about sustenance. And he said, you're more value than birds to God. And God takes care of them. What, what is he trying to get across here? He's trying to get us in life to consider God's character toward mankind and toward his own people. See, some people have a wrong idea about God's character. He's going to get you. He said, no, look, I take care of birds I, and you're more valuable than birds. He's wanting people to get their thinking straightened out about their idea about God. You know, if you're saved, your heavenly Father, how He will treat you and what He will do for you. The very next verse, 25. And which of you, by worrying, could add one cubit to his stature? Or, you know, if you're short and you think, man, I'm so worried, I wish I could be taller. Sorry. You already know that does not work. He said, if you then are not able to do the least, in other words, you can't, even, you can't do that, why are you anxious for the rest? Why are you full of... Anxious isn't a word that we maybe use today. We, we talk about a word called worry. In other translations say, if you can't change things by going, ah, oh, man, I'm not tall enough, I'm not tall enough, you know, I can't ride the ride. And if you're an adult and you can't ride the ride, I'm sorry. But he said, worrying is not going to change any of that for you. And he said, and if it won't change that, he said, it's not going to change the rest. And so what's he trying to do? He's trying to get people to get rid of the ideas or the things that would produce worry 
anxiety, and fear. And the way he's trying to get that rooted out of people is to consider God's character. People worry and are concerned because they really don't know the faithfulness of God and His character and His design. So he's going through giving illustration after illustration about His character and His design. This next one to me is pretty wild. Notice verse 27. Consider, another consider, the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. In other words, they're not using a sewing machine. They're not trying to dress themselves. They're not trying to put on beauty. And it says, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory, and Solomon's glory was this. He was one of the wealthiest people on the earth. He was one of the wisest people. But it's interesting that he uses Solomon here because Solomon actually worked the principles that we're about to talk about. God said, what do you want? What do you need? He said, here's what I want, God. He, he didn't ask for money. He said, I need wisdom to be able to be effective in life, to minister wisely to your people, to the kingdom, and deal with these kingdom matters effectively. I need wisdom. God said, because you did not ask for money, but you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give it to you. But it's interesting, if you read the Bible about wisdom, the Bible said, when you get wisdom, money and riches are in wisdom's hand. Because why? It makes you a good steward. It makes you effective in how you do things. In other words, you just don't labor hard work, you labor effectively. You know, one of the great basketball coaches of all time in the college, I mean, I guess probably people could argue about it, but I'm just going to say it and it's a fact, is John Wooden. And he won a bunch of NCAA titles year after year after year. And, and they called him the Wizard of Westwood. And he made a statement that is so true. And it's really wisdom. He said, for us, he said, not all motion is progress. What does it mean, not all motion is progress? He basically said, there's two teams out there playing the game. One plays with more wisdom, so they're both laboring the same, but one's getting better results because they're applying things wiser. And so he told us, seek wisdom. He told us here, like Solomon, seek first the kingdom of God. And he used him as an illustration. Solomon did this and was wealthy. But Solomon put God above wealth. When you start talking about wealth, what a lot of people do is they start elevating it like it's God. And then it's wrong. And notice this, he said, not even Solomon was arrayed in the beauty and in the glory as these lilies are arrayed, not, not more than one of them. I mean, and if you went, people, if you were alive back then, people went from other countries to visit the kingdom. There was queens and different people of authority that came to hear the wisdom that came from Solomon because he wanted God first. 
and to see the beauty that was there. I mean, they were coming for this. And they said, we've seen it, we heard about it, we're experiencing it for ourselves now. And so all the children of Israel knew this about Solomon. Man, when he was alive, the kingdom was something else because his priority of having wisdom and God first. But notice what he said. If God, if then God, and we're, we're to consider this, this is his character and we're about to see something about his character that's pretty interesting. If then God so clothed the grass, which today is, and he's talking about these beautiful lilies and all the stuff you can see, today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, or we would say it like this, it's just burned in the fire. It's just burned in the fire. Tomorrow is thrown in the oven. How much more will he clothe you, O you who are not really trusting in his character? Now think about what he said. He basically said, you can see all this beauty. You can see that God did this up all right. And these things didn't labor. They, and they're beautifully, beautifully clothed. And then he's saying, consider this. This to me is an interesting consideration. He said, after you see this beauty, it just gets thrown in the fire. It just dries up. You burn it, you use it for kindling to make some bread or something else. You know, if you told people today, well, I'm just going to make this really nice in my yard for Easter, this decoration, then I'm just going to burn it. You know, there are people who are going to go, you are just wasteful. After I get done, I'm just going to burn it. Oh, you should not do that. I'm just kind of being like my father. No, wait a minute. What's he saying? I'm not saying to be wasteful. We know from the scripture that when Jesus multiplied the loaves and fish, he didn't say, I will just do that again, though he did say that. But he said, gather the fragments. But what it shows us is God makes things beautiful, makes things incredible, just to be burned. What does this show us? It shows us God's character toward man. Notice verse 29. So four verses after he said, life is more than money. Life is more than raiment. And then he goes on to start talking about, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And he didn't just say, don't worry about it. Because if he said, just don't worry about it, we would have to go, okay, I won't. But what he did was he said, here is God's character, his ways, when it's about you. This is why you don't have to worry about these things. And I'll tell you what, the... You know, as we go on in life, there's going to be ups and downs in society. This works regardless of the economy. But what I find interesting is what the Lord tried to get across here. After he said, don't worry about it, consider God's character. And he said this in uh, verse 29. And do not seek what you should eat 
or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind or have a worrisome mind. Well, then I have to exchange those worrisome mind thoughts towards God's character. And part of His character is He will take care of you. Now notice verse 30. He said, for all these things, for all these things, the nations of the world seek after. Think about this. He just got done saying, life is more than all the things the world seeks after, really. He said, all the world seeks after these things. This is their pursuit in life. This is what is the priority of life. You know, that was one of the things that got me when I started making money and started thinking, life's got to be more than making money and rising and going to bed and, you know, rising, doing your thing, going to sleep at night. If this is life, I was thinking, why am I even here? And you could see people trying to kill themselves and it just seems like, oh, that's okay. I think, man, I feel bad for those people. I feel bad for people who kill themselves because it's just a lie. All escape. And they're not escaping. They're going on. And there is a hell. And there is a heaven. And people need to realize you don't just go to a good place. You go to one or the other and it's determined based on the fact, do I know the Lord? Have I received Him? But he tells us really not just how to get money in life and how to have things in life. He's talking about in this context how to walk in kingdom principles and really be fulfilled in life. And have. What he's teaching is not go after God or go after money. If you go after God, you can't have the money. But he's saying if you go after the money, and that's your priority, you're not going to have God in the right way. You will not. You will not have Him in the right way. You will miss eternal destiny and eternal design. The influence of life. And how we are to impact others. We miss. But notice verse 30. For all these things, the nations of the world, which is all people groups, seek after. That is their highest priority. That's what they live for. He just got done telling us, don't live for these things. Life is more than that. And he said, and your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. So God knows you need them. He's not saying you can't have them. He's just saying, look, the world has a system. And the world is in a pursuit. I mean, they're like on a gigantic hamster wheel that has no right end. When they're dead and when they're gone, you think about it. They will have accumulated what they've accumulated and they won't be able to take it with them and they will pass on, and it will be left for somebody else. Life is more than that. Life is way more than that. 
What's so interesting is people that pursue that way leave it all behind. And if they don't know the Lord, they miss heaven. But it's interesting as he goes on talking, he said there is a way to start not just building assets on the earth, but start building stuff and treasures for an eternal reward in heaven when it's done right. But people whose pursuit is only after temporal things will not be, even if they're a believer, will not be laying up for eternity. To me, I would think anybody that has wisdom who is a real financial person and is in the pursuit of the almighty dollar would think, I've got to lay up for retirement. I've got to lay up. I've got to store up. I've got to do this. You would think if somebody gave them an offer for an incredible investment, they'd go, I'm going to do it. How many people have thought, if I would only known that Tesla stock right at the beginning, I would have put $1,000 on it. If I would only known about Bitcoin at the beginning, and some of us did, eh, I would have put $1,000 on it. You'd be worth billions. Trillions. Today. If I would have only known you know, to put money on property 50 years ago or whenever. And, and we think, oh, I would do that. Wouldn't you? Hindsight? Of course. But what if I'm telling you the best or one of the greatest investments is that you can lay up stuff for your eternal retirement, not your temporal retirement only. For for forever and ever. What you do here determines that. Who would not think sensibly? Okay, don't answer that. But think about it. Verse 30 says, For all the world, all the nations, all the people groups, when it says nations, it doesn't just mean countries, it means people groups of the world Seek after these things. And he said, And your Father who is in heaven knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God. Now, in Matthew's account, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. Why? Because life is more than this, just this stuff. If you pursue this stuff, you'll get that stuff but if you don't follow after the kingdom stuff, you're going to miss out. He said, but there is a way to get both and all. Really, the way that Christianity works best, ultimately. This one right here could be tough, but it's the truth. It's the way Christianity works best is 100% in. It doesn't work 90% in. It doesn't work 80% in. Now you can be saved, but you won't enjoy the benefits like you could and should unless you're all in. Amen. It's covenant talk. You know, 
even in this, later on at the end of this, when Matthew gives the account, he tells us this, you cannot serve God and money. He said, if you try to serve both, he said, you're going to love the one, cleave to the one, and hate the other. You're going to be struggling. You're going to be in constant conflict. Christianity does not work appropriately when you're not all in. And people wonder why it doesn't always work the way because it takes being all in. Are you with me? It, it does. It takes all in Christianity. As a matter of fact, when you think of the parables about the sower and how the heart produces, all the different stories that are in the Bible, all of them, like when he talked about the parable of the sower who, who he throws seed into people and the seed is the word of God and when people hear it, he said it gets in their heart. But really what he's talking about is, is the mind and how occupied the mind is. And it said if the mind gets occupied with worries and the mind gets occupied with all kinds of distractions, then the word will not produce like it should. He's basically saying you have to be all in. Or it won't produce like it should. And then people look and go, why isn't producing? And he said, cares, worries start pounding at the mind and people get full of that stuff and the word fails to produce. But for the people who don't allow those other things, he said it will produce. There's other stories just like it. Remember the eye? The lamp of the person is the eye. In other words, what you look at with your eyes will fill your heart. He said the only way that your heart will be totally filled with life and light, and I'm not talking the spirit part, but the core part of you, he said, is when the eye is single. That means 100%. Then he said the whole inside of you will be full of light. Why? Because the lamp, or you, we would say it like this today, our focus. Are you with me? And so he said, but seek first the kingdom of God. Not that you can't look and talk about and get money, but notice, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Notice the priority has always got to be on the Lord. Not on the almighty buck. But he did not say you can't have the almighty buck. He didn't say it's one or the other. He said it can be both when it's done right. Isn't that what he said? He said, don't worry about it. The issue is priority and kingdom priority. Notice verse 20 or 31. But seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice that phrase again, talking about God's character. His ways. His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But notice what he's talking about. Seek the kingdom, give the kingdom. Seek the kingdom, seek God, seek the king of the kingdom. 
And then the things of the kingdom will be added unto you. So this tells me that the kingdom of the earth, the kingdoms of the earth, have a financial thing. People talk about, you know, the worldly order of money is evil. But the world's goods or the world's money, the money is not evil. Just the way of the world in getting it is not appropriate because it leaves God out. But notice, that's the world kingdom. We're in a new kingdom, and if we're in a new kingdom, there's a new design and a new way, and the world's way, according to Satan's kingdom, which is called the kingdom of darkness, is all about self. So you seek first about you. In God's kingdom, it's not about you or about me. First, it's about Him and His kingdom, but His eye is always toward you. His eye is always upon you. His eye is always toward you, and He said it's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Kingdoms are domains. Kingdoms are countries. Whatever you want to call them, those are kingdoms. We know the United Kingdom, but kings rule kingdoms, and in kingdoms there is wealth or not wealth. Remember Jesus when he was being tempted to cross over to, to Satan's way? And Satan said, hey, come and follow me. And I want to show you this. All, these, all this stuff's been given to me right here, and I want you to have it. See, he has goods. He wasn't lying. Adam had turned the rights of the earth over. And so he said, if you'll just bow down and worship me, don't seek God first. Follow after the money. Bow down. Follow self. Follow selfish ambition. And I'll give it to you right now. What did Jesus say? No, you've got to serve God first. You've got to follow Him. How many people have bowed to the dollar? Think about it. Jesus didn't bow to get those countries, to get that rulership, and now he has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He won. And now there's an invisible kingdom that rules through us, and in that kingdom, you know, we, you, you hear this term in the church world, you know, there, there's a, a, a worldly system, a world money system. Okay, I, I don't disagree with that. But there is a heavenly system too. There is a heavenly system. And if he said all these different things, then we need to understand that heavenly system has money. And in it, he said, seek me first in that kingdom uh, all these things, my Father knows, He's your Father, He knows if you're saved that you need these things. Just like in the earthly kingdom, you know, we know what kingdom we're in. You know, if we've got money in our pocket, these are thousand dollar bills. Okay, maybe not. But I've got money in my pocket, but we know that to work it in this kingdom called the United States, you need dollars. You go to 
Mexico, you need pesos or whatever they have, or different countries, you operate with their different currency in that situation. Because kingdoms have currency. And we know this, that different currency has better buying power. I remember I went to Peru in the 90s. Inflation was so bad there. There were, I think they were called entes back then. They were basically their dollar bill. They were just laying in the streets. Hyperinflation had hit. The country was crumbling. And I remember they told us, what you don't want to do is don't convert your money on Monday to spend it on Friday because you can lose loads of money in days. Amen. You, you could lose, and I mean money. You know, anybody know anything about cryptocurrency? A little bit? I know I put some and moved some, just moving it while this crash was happening. Lost 200 bucks in about 20 minutes. Just moving it. I didn't lose it. I watched it go click, click, click. But I needed to move it to something else. But over there, they told us, don't do it. You will lose so much money. Literally. And so when we got our money, I had pictures. I don't know where they are, but I remember them. And we laid them on the bed. And we, had, we looked like gangsters from a gangster movie. Like we had mounds of cash. I guess kingdom kids. Just mounds of cash. I guess we shouldn't identify riches with gangsters, but kingdom kids. Just stacks of it. Because it was just the inflation. And they said this amount of money would have bought this van, this 28-passenger like kind of minibus thing, two years ago that you're going to be able to spend just at these stores. Different countries, different things have currency. One thing that drives the currency and things in the kingdom is by putting first the kingdom. It produces some kind of influence. Are you with me? Because he said it's, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Within the kingdom is not just finances. In the kingdom is divine peace. In the kingdom is love, is forgiveness, is strength, is health, is soundness. Whatever people need, it's in that kingdom. But the key is, is putting it first. Do not fear, little flock, for it is God, the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then it's interesting what he said after this. Because what's he trying to do? He's trying to make these people adjust to a new kingdom theory, a new way. And it's really not a theory, it's the truth. He's trying to get their thinking right so they can operate in the earth properly and walk in all of God's goodness, being effective in every area, pursuing first as a priority kingdom business, kingdom principles, kingdom ideas. They should even affect us in financial things. 
we should be the ones that could be most trusted, not least trusted, with somebody else's money or product or whatever it is, because we're not driven by the dollar, we're driven by God and by pursuing Him. And he said it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Well, in that kingdom is some kind of influence toward these areas and others. It's interesting to me. He tries to get people to quit trusting like the world trusts. So he gives all these truths about how God is, what he'll do, on and on. And then he said this, sell what you have and give alms. That doesn't mean you can't save. That doesn't mean you can't have a savings. Because we know that we are allowed to lend. He even told the children of Israel, you can get to the point, if you keep me first, when they didn't, things fell apart. It wasn't because God made them fall apart. They just didn't operate in these spiritual principles, and though they thought they were doing the right thing, it all started to go to pieces. They would turn back to the Lord. He'd start prospering. And he said, when you're in that position, you can lend and not borrow. And he said, because the servant, or the person who borrows, becomes the servant of the person that is lending. In other words, he's the dog, you're the tail. Are you with me? And he said, you can get to that place. So if, if borrowing is bad, then God is not going to put you in a position to help somebody else sin by loaning and having the goods to loan. Are you with me? And so when he said these things, he said, sell what you have, or in other words, get some assets in your hand so you can start giving. And really, he's not only talking about giving here, he's talking about living a life of serving and kingdom business. We would say body life in the church. We would say reaching people. We would say loving one another. We would say giving tithes, giving where it's right. You know, not everybody should you give money to. I'm going to tell you guys a story. Ready? So we have people who come by at different times and they ask for money. Need help. And, and sometimes, you know, if you're not careful, they'll, uh, they'll guilt you and they'll shame you. Why aren't you a Christian? Do not use guilt and shame to drive me. Do not allow guilt and shame to be a motiva motivating factor for you. I'm guilted here. That's not right. That's not how God does it. It's not how God wants you to be driven. That's not a kingdom way. Now, we've given and we've helped people, but this one guy's come a few times, and I said, well, where are you going to church? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you, because they just don't help. And I said, well, you know, he's violating a principle for one. And then he said, well, all I need is, you know, 
hotel rooms between 175 to 200 whatever a night. And I'm thinking to myself, you're not going to tell me where you go to church. You're not thinking about showing up. And you're just wanting our money. And he said, well, the church should be doing this. You know, I used to do evangelism. I thought you probably ought to start doing evangelism and start putting the kingdom first. But I drove off and thought, I'm not going to help you. And I even told one of the ushers, or the head one, I said, if he shows up, you could tell him. And, and he said, you really want me to tell him? This is what I told him to tell him. Tell him, you're just a bad steward. We're not going to be wasteful. We're not going to help you. If you do the math on the least amount, $170, that guy or 200 bucks is spending 60-something thousand dollars a year on hotels. Um, our house payments are not that. I said, well, why don't you get an apartment? He said, well, it costs this much a month. It's like seventeen or $1,800. i am thinking, wait a minute, in 10 days you've got more than that. You're a bad steward. You could have got a, motor, a mobile home already paid for after a few months, and you're walking around trying to shame people and not going to church, not serving God, and going to shame other believers to give you money? I thought our pastor loved people. I do. But why waste what we have and be a bad steward with them? Don't you think it would be wise just to go, hey, I could live in my car for a few months and I could be an owner of a, of a, at the same price. I could start owning my own thing. I'm not promoting living in your car. Put that in the notes, live in the car. No, I'm just saying there is a way to do things and we need to realize not everybody knows it. Not everybody's doing it. And just because they're not doesn't mean it needs to affect. Really what needs to happen is he needs wisdom. That's why we're reading. He didn't come back and ask for my spiritual or financial advice either. Because I did think. I had all the calculations. I'm like, man, you'd have this much in five years. You'd be set at the money you're doing right now for the rest of your life. Meaning, at the means he's working off of, he could get into, like I said, a mobile home. A used one, not brand new. And I'm not, you guys okay? He who's without sin. No, I'm kidding. Cast the first stone. But I believe it's appropriate. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. We need to make it a priority, and then we can be good stewards. But he said within the kingdom there is a way to think, and there is a financial thing in this kingdom too. Are you with me? We could see that by the way the disciples lived. But he said sell, and he said give. Verse 33, because this is important, because talk about a retirement plan. Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves money bags, which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail. 
where no thief approaches nor moth destroys or in bad investment wipes it out. What's he saying? He's talking about putting a priority on serving God, putting a priority on living for God first and His ways and His stuff. And he said in that kingdom, when you put it as a priority, it will start influencing all areas of life, even the natural areas where you work. Notice this, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he saying in the whole thing? He's wanting our hearts after the right thing, not the wrong thing. The world would say, put money first. Then you know where their heart is? Money. He said you can have money, not have God or, but he said you have to seek first. You have to put a priority. And he said, and so many times... This, I probably have done it years ago. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I've heard it like this, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Well, where your treasure is, your heart follows. Where you give your time, that's where you give your money, where you give effort, your heart will follow. If you really want a heart for football, give effort to football. Super Bowl Sunday. Somebody's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do the next six months. That should not be the way we think. Somebody's like, I know, I'm just going to switch to basketball, then baseball. And those, there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, but I am saying there's something wrong when it becomes a priority. You know, some people say, man, how do you memorize all the stats of those players. The reason they are memorized is not because people set out to memorize them. They just put them in a real high place. Are you with me? How can you memorize all those? I read the Bible. I don't ever remember even a verse. But if whatever is the highest, you'll start remembering. That's not to shame anybody. Everybody say, Amen. Glad you're talking to the person next to me. But notice that phrase, where your treasure is. You could say it like this, where the, the most of your thought life is, the, your effort is. You can do your job. You can own a business and still have kingdom stuff first. He said there is where your heart will be. And what's interesting he said, if you do it that way, you'll get everything the rest of the world pursues, but what you'll also have is all the kingdom business too. Yeah. 